Hello and welcome to another episode of the In and Out House Success. Today I have Jen or Jennifer Serenboli with me and uh, we will talk a bit more from the other side or experiences from the other side of the ocean because Jen is based in the US and I'm handing right away over to you. Thanks, Tina. It's so nice to be here. Um... I'd like to tell our listeners that you and I have known each other for a really long time. We worked together um, starting at Sapient many years ago, more than 10 years ago, I think. Yeah. Um, and, and then we worked together at Publicis um, before I left my in-house job um, to work in a university here in the US. So I'm an assistant professor at Suffolk University Law School here in the United States. Um, and this is my third year. I've been teaching for, for two years. This is my third year. Um, and I just, I love it. I love it. I have loved moving from working in-house to um, working in an academic setting. It's not for everyone, but it has been great for me. What are the main changes? That's a good question. Um, so, you know, the, the, things, the things that I like about this new role are that it's very predictable. It's very predictable. So I found that working in um, a law firm or working in-house, I was always getting frustrated because I would think my day was going to look like one thing and my day would end up looking completely different um, because there would be an emergency and I would have to readjust all of my priorities or I would think I was going to have a morning free to work on drafting a contract. And then and then I would end up being on the phone on meetings for that entire morning. And for some, for some people, that's great. Some people um, th like the excitement of that style of work. But for me, I'm a total control freak. And that was really frustrating for me. Um, so I have, I have a lot of predictability over my schedule now. I'm certainly still really busy at some times of the year, but I know exactly when those times of the year are going to be. There's a definite start and a stop to um, each semester. Um, I know when exams are, and I know that's going to be a busy time for me. And I set my syllabus so I know when um, students are going to be submitting essays that I have to grade. So it really makes it much easier for me to plan my time and to plan my days. I think the other big, the other big difference, the other thing that I like a lot is that I have, I have so much autonomy. I get to, to decide what I'm going to do um, every day. And um, I set my own class syllabi and I decide what I'm gonna talk about in class. Um, and I, and I form relationships with students and it feels like I'm really in control of both my schedule, but I'm also in control of my career progression and what I want my students to learn and what I want to talk to them about each day. Um, and, and those are the, those are the two, the two really big changes that, that I really have liked. Great. I like the predictability. It's, it's so really great. Good. It's so nice. <laughs> I get to I get to think about 
when do when when can I take a vacation? And then I schedule the vacation, and then it ends it ends up being a nice time to take the vacation. And I come back from vacation, and I don't have any emails because everybody else was also on vacation because it was August, you know. So it's great. It's really great. Sounds good. But I guess only the students are not predictable. So I guess they they're always different. So uh, can you tell? Uh, listeners a bit more let's say what um, you you teach and how big the classroom is so and as well maybe in a third question sorry for that is like how you started the transition because I think from the in-house to the university it's so different but let's start first with the with the first question it is so different so I think to answer the first question um, I should explain a little bit about law school in the United States, because it's quite different from law school in other countries. Um, in the US, law school is a postgraduate degree. So all of my students have already been to university and obtained a degree from, from a university before they arrive in law school. In the United States, law school is traditionally a three-year doctorate program. So graduates come out of law school with a Juris Doctorate degree. So um, so my students are really super um, educated. They've been in school for a really long time, um, which is nice. And they're fully adults, which is nice. Um, and that's great. So following law school in the US, in order to practice, um, you have to take a bar exam to be admitted to the bar to be able to practice law in whatever state you wanna practice in. And so um, the university that, that I work for, Suffolk University Law School, um, really makes a strong commitment to helping students pass that big exam. It's a two-day exam. There's an essay component. There's a multiple choice component. Um, it's really difficult, and it requires a lot of study time. Um, so I primarily teach in our um, bar prep program. I teach a few classes that are meant to help students with the skills that they need to pass those bar exams after they graduate law school. So I'm usually seeing students in their final year of law school, their third year of law school um, in the U.S. and teaching them the specific essay writing skills, multiple choice test answering skills that they're going to need to pass this, this big test that is really the final barrier to them being able to practice law. Um, so this semester I'm teaching um, two classes. Um, in the spring I'll teach I'll teach three classes. Um, and total across my two classes this semester I have um, around 85 students. And in the spring I'll probably have a bit more than that. Um, so it's a lot. It's a it's a lot of students, but I try to really um, get to know as many of them as I can, form a personal relationship with them as as much as I can because. After this year, when they're studying for the bar exam, I really want them to know that I'm a resource for them as they're studying, if they have questions, if they need help um, post-graduation with that bar exam requirement, that, that they have a relationship with me and that they can reach out to me um, for help with that. And do the students, do they take advantage of that? Do they reach out? Yes. Definitely, they do. I worked with about 100 students last summer um, as they were preparing for the bar exam after graduation. Uh, traditionally, students will spend, or graduates will spend uh, about eight or nine weeks preparing for the exam full time, all day, every day. Um, 
And, and so about 100 students um, worked with me last summer in preparation for the exam. Um, and so it's, you know, I send weekly emails to, to try and help them orient themselves to where they should be and what they should be doing each week. And I have individual and group meetings with students over the course of the first part of the, the summer, um, which is nice because I'm not teaching, I'm not teaching a full class. I have no curriculum or, uh, ob objectives per se, except to just be there for, help and support. Um, and so it's really a different, it's a different sort of, it's a different sort of work during the summer. I would have loved to have a person like you. <laughs> when you speak about the bar exam in Germany, it's like two years where you have, you know, different, let's say, parts. First thing is you go to a judge and then to a prosecutor and then afterwards to a law firm. And you have once a week let's say, a meeting with your class, but in between, you're sort of left alone. And um, yeah, and then you have to work throughout the week and study. And then after the two years, you have these, I think we had 10 exams, five hours each day. So you are really glad when you survived that. Yes. <laughs> and we don't have multiple choice. So we only have oh. wonderful exams. We write and write and write. Um, but yeah, that's interesting. I think it would be good if maybe there's a United Nations for law professors or, you know, some exchange, because I think everything is so stuck um, per, yeah, per country, I think. Yes, yes. It's something we think about a lot, actually. And, you know, the United States is even, even more strange in the sense that every, each state is different. So some states have a completely different exam than other states. And you so we sort of think about like, why should it be different to be a lawyer in California than it is to be a lawyer in Texas? Um, is there really is, it, is there a good legitimate reason for that? And it really sort of inhibits people from being able to move around and choose a location to practice that's best for them and that's best for their families. Um, so there's a, a lot of um, research and scholarship around that area. I mean, common critiques of the United States law system are that we expect these um, students to spend so much time in school And because they're spending so much time in school, they're not actually out there getting the practice experience um, as you are in Europe and as, as, as most other European lawyers are out getting experience instead of, um, instead of sitting in a desk. So, um, so the, these, are, these are things that we, we think about in, in research and, um, and, and write and opine on. But you know, in Germany, we, on the one hand, we have as well, it's different from state to state. So in where I, let's say, did my two-year program, it was in Stuttgart, and there I wasn't able to use any commentaries, let's say, in the, in the exam. So I need to know how I write some, something for the prosecutor, and I have everything, I need to have everything in my, yeah, I remember, need to everything, need to everything, remember it. Um, but in Bavaria or other states, you are, able to use the commentaries. So I said, what's the sense? What the, doesn't make any sense? And um, we, are, we are trained. So you go to the judge and to the prosecutor and to the lawyer. But uh, after these two years, you need to be fully equipped or you are fully equipped to do everything. But you could go much more into the detail. 
So I think um, it sounds like that it's that we get more practice, but it's not really. <laughs> Interesting. So if you wanted to practice in Bavaria, for example, could you do so or would you need to obtain a different license to practice there? I can. It's it's only maybe when you shift, then maybe some pension requirements, you know, these back-end stuff. Um, changes. So that's not an issue. So I actually moved from Stuttgart then for the job here to, to Munich and I'm still I'm still a registered um, as well lawyer. So, um, so yeah. why so do students not just take just take the easiest exam? <laughs> could you could you choose the easiest place to take the exam and just take the exam there? Yes, for sure. But um, sometimes you don't know that maybe in some other states it's much easier and you find out in the end. So, for example, I grew up in Frankfurt. There you can use the commentaries and you can use other stuff and you have less exam. But I only found out at the end and when you already you live somewhere, I think it's you think oh, it won't be that bad. Um, but yeah, I think there could be a much better or more strategic plan where to study. Right. <laughs> and uh, when you do these two year, two years. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, there seems to be no agreement on the answer to the question, what is a lawyer? And what does a person need to be able to be a lawyer? And the truth is that the reason we can't answer that question is because Lawyers do so many different things and need so many different skills, depending on where you decide to practice or what you decide to practice. And uh, and I honestly think that's what your podcast is about. <laughs> so so good for you for helping um, helping folks who are trying to figure out what they actually want to do with their legal degree, because it it looks it really looks different for everyone. Totally. And maybe we can come back to the original, let's say, right where we started a few minutes ago, is that, let's say, you can, and I think you are my first guest, who uh, was working in-house um, and then moved over to, to university. And yeah, if you could just let us know how it's maybe how the idea started and how you put it, let's say, into your reality. Oh, I love this question. I love this question. So I um, had a sort of a unique career path in that um, I had a job at a university before I went to law school and decided to be a lawyer. So I was working as an academic advisor and academic counselor um, at, an, at an arts college um, and then decided to go to law school. And I hadn't really thought about going back to academia, um, worked at a law firm and worked in-house. And, you know, at some point, I think, I think things really changed for me when I had my son, honestly, Tina, because um, there wasn't a lot of work-life balance for me um, working in-house. And that's, that's mostly my fault. That's not a like a warning to people who are thinking about working in house. I personally found it really difficult to leave work at work. I really carried it home with me. I was um, I would chew over and stew over um, what happened during the workday when I was at when I was at home. Um, and that's what I mean when I say I didn't have a lot of balance. So it was it was hard for me to be focused and present with my son at home. Um, as an in-house lawyer. And so that's when I really started thinking, 
I really, I was better able as an academic to, to leave work at work. It's more of the type of job for me where I can close the door in my office and go home and, and kind of put, put it in a drawer and not really have to think about it so much um, when I'm at home. It's easier for me to have the, the boundaries and the separation. Um, and that's not true of everyone. That's true for me, but that's not true of everyone. Um, and, and so I thought about how could I, how can I get back into this? How can I get back into a law school? And frankly, there are lots of different paths to get back into an academic environment from practicing law. Um, you can work in admissions, uh, which is the department that decides whether to whether or not to admit students who are applying to law school. You can work in career services, which is the department that um, tries to help students get jobs out in the world. You don't have to um, be a professor. And here in the United States, it's uh, it's very difficult and competitive to be the sort of professor that teaches what we call doctrinal classes. So that's torts, evidence, contracts, et cetera. I think people are really scared of um, or think that jobs in academia are out of reach for them because when they think about those types of jobs, they think about their torts professor, they think about their evidence professor, um, and that person's resume is, is very elite. But the truth is you don't need to have an elite resume to work at a university and the environment is very nice and there are lots of different um, jobs. So I work in a department um, that's called the Academic Support and Bar Preparation. Um, and that's a, it's a different sort of professor than the type of professor that teaches those first year law school classes. Um, and I honestly, I used um, my network and I asked a lot of people who I knew who work in universities about how to get that sort of a job and um, and just like found found a pathway into a university environment that worked best for me and for for my resume. Great. So it's about context, resources, and just do it. Just do it. <laughs> yeah. And so I think you know my approach uh, my approach to thinking about what I wanted to do is, is maybe different, maybe, maybe it's different than other folks who are thinking about leaving because I just really thought about the type of environment I wanted to work in first. That was my first question. Um, and, and the type of environment I wanted to work in was a university environment. Then I sort of sifted through what, what, what kinds of jobs are available in that sort of environment and what am I best suited to do. And so because I had this prior experience in academic support and academic counseling, um, this particular role made a lot of sense for me and I love it. Yeah, I never thought it, of tackling it like this, the environment. So any anything else um, you would like to share um, with yeah, maybe potential students or lawyers who are thinking of, of going to into, um, let's say, such a career path? Um, yes, I would like for at least for folks in the U.S. to understand that, um, you know, that the pay is not amazing. <laughs> Right? You don't go into this type of profession for the money. I certainly didn't make this job change 
for for money. And so eyes eyes wide open, people should know that this is not um this is not a job that you do for pay. <laughs> I think that's really important. It's really important to know. Um, but that being said, I mean there's there's so so many benefits. Um at least for me in the sense that I don't I don't carry the stress home with me. I don't deal with emergencies. I have a ton of autonomy um, and I have a ton of control over my own schedule. And those things are all really valuable to me and they were worth it um, to me. But I, I just think it's really important to think about your think about your values and what kind of role is going to align with um, align with those values and environment really, really matters a lot. Yeah. And I think everybody is different. And as I said, there are so many different possibilities and it's really great to hear, as you said, that there's so different departments at university. And I think, as you said, it was easier for you because you, you already had some ideas, but I think for everybody out there, it's just like, yeah, check it out in case you're um, you're interested um, of shifting and that there's not, as you said, it's not the first year law professor um, where you think, oh my God, I'll never be that person. But you, I think I would be, as said, would have been so happy if I would have you, Jen, to tell me each week, okay, have you done this? You need to be there. <laughs> no, but you know, just to be supportive and um, somebody who guides you and helps you through that, let's say, hard time. Thank you. That's nice of you to say. So I think we really covered, I think, a lot of things in, in 20 minutes. So maybe in the coming months, we can do um, a follow-up and tackle some, some other uh, topics. But for now, Jen, thanks so much uh, for being with me and sharing some, uh, yeah, some experiences and definitely your experiences from the last uh, two, three years. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's really great to catch up, Tina. Thanks. Bye. Bye-bye.